0: Well, we start a, a, new, uh, a new series today, and indeed a six-week series, which is wed together with our life groups, which begin meeting this week. Um, for those of you who may not be aware, life groups meet mostly in homes, uh, where we study the Bible together and want to grow in faith, where we love one another in community and, and let that trust build between us, and uh, we, we live the life of the church. They're like many churches, so I hope you get that. Many expressions of who we are, focused on Jesus, focused on Scripture, focused on the transformation that the Scripture and the Holy Spirit can bring into our lives, and we look for opportunities to serve, serve one another, and, and serve in our community. So, if you haven't, by the way, connected one of those group groups, speak to uh, James Saidinga. He's in our sound booth today. He's also our IT guy, and um, uh, he will he will connect you. And again, uh, if you're not in a group and you'd like to join, with Newer people in the congregation, we would love to form a group for newer folks to IPC. It's a great way to get to know people and get connected to the church. Today, we begin the series, Not a Fan. Now, um, essentially what this series is about is our relationships with Jesus, your relationship with him. Now, this is in itself an interesting thing. Uh, when you think about, what is my relationship like with Jesus? You can probably think fairly easily of this relationship in terms of uh, other people. If you're married, you have a relationship with your spouse, and you could probably characterize it. For some people right now, it's loving, and it's intimate, and it's close. For some people this morning, it might be conflicted. Why does that happen Sunday mornings? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm right, aren't I? Um, it might be distant. You know, you can characterize that relationship. You know, you have different sorts of friends. Some of your friends are casual friends, but I would suggest probably all of us have a best friend, a close, trusting relationship in that friendship. You know, dating relationships, they start at the front end, and they're fun, and they're exciting, and, you know, you're in love. It doesn't stay in that place of infatuation. If that relationship is to grow and to develop, it'll move toward a more serious stage Often at which time couples decide yay or nay on this little relationship long term. Relationships have a character. And the question that this uh, series is going to pose very simply is, what is the character of your relationship with Jesus? Um, some people might not have thought a lot about this, and that's okay. Some people might believe in Jesus and pray to Jesus and seek to follow Jesus. That's all good. But my relationship with him, how would I define it? What does it look like? I want you to note this is not a relationship with God. You know, some vague being in the clouds or sitting enthroned in heaven. Um, It's not a relationship necessarily with God the Father. We know the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not not with God the Father. That can be close or distant. You know, Jesus called the Father Abba, which was the Hebrew term of a little child calling out to Daddy. That kind of intimacy with God the Father. But it can be distant as well. A relationship of fear, very often, uh, a fear of punishment, and, 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 and a relationship which causes the one to turn away, not to move toward. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus the one who came, and the one who died, and the one who rose again to be in relationship with us. What's yours like? if indeed you have chosen to follow Christ. You know, years ago there was a debate, and I don't hear about, about it much anymore, but the debate essentially was, can we be in relationship with Jesus only as Savior, or uh, is it necessary to be in relationship with him as Lord? The idea being, can I come to him and ask for the forgiveness of sin, and receive it, and and I'm in the family, and I'm part of the family, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm his forever? Or does it also include this idea of his lordship? It's a biblical phrase, it's a, a biblical way of thinking of this but essentially to use another biblical analogy he is king king of our lives we're going to obey him he's going to have our allegiance we're going to put him first we're going to be really committed to jesus not just find forgiveness in him well the good news is that jesus defines the relationship for us and we're going to look at that today and i suppose for some weeks you're going to look at it also in your uh, life group meetings uh, that happen following the, the, the sermon Sunday by Sunday. Um, and again, this is this defined for us by Christ in Scripture. Scripture is our authority. I want to just keep saying that. Scripture is God's word to us. He has spoken his mind, his heart. He has revealed truth to us. And it's in Scripture that, that Jesus tells us what he wants from our relationship. Which is, of course, really important for us to connect with and understand. This whole series, I want to suggest to you, is based on the idea that we we are either fans of Jesus, or we are followers. Fans or followers. One or the other. The suggestion is very simple. A lot of Christian people, people who call themselves Christians, are fans of Jesus, but they're not followers. Might that be the case with you? Um... The definition given in the series is this, it, and I'm going to put it on the screen. A fan is deci- de- defined as someone who is an enthusiastic admirer. Anybody here is an enthusiastic admirer of Jesus? You know, we look at him and, 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 and we're impressed. I'm an enthusiastic admirer of some athletes. Are you? Uh, I'm an enthusiastic admirer particularly of one Toronto Maple Leaf. I can't, for the life of me, figure out why I continue to be a fan of anybody in the Leafs, but I am. It's not Matthews, you know, the superstar on the team, the guy who gets, I believe, most money of those eleven million dollar guys. He's a fantastic hockey player. His his game is developing end to end. He's growing strong. Uh, but I, you know who I'm the biggest fan of? Mitch Marner. How many of you share that? There's one. The guy's an incredible talent. It's the, the, the ability that he has is mind-boggling at times, even to me reminiscent of Gretzky. Um, so I, I'm an admirer of his, quite enthusiastically so. you know and we can we can be fans of, of other people anybody fans of, the, of, of someone in politics right now just had a election anybody a fan of the politicians who ran? Uh, I know <laughs> I knew that reaction would happen. <laughs> Sometimes it's in business, you know, the gurus who write the books, who are on track, who are who are speaking into the business world, into business practice, and my goodness, superstar. They're out there. Probably for most of us, I suppose it would, would certainly uh, fit this discussion of, of being a fan in the entertainment world. You know, where people are, are in the movies or, or, or singing or whatever, and you think about you think about the the film festivals like tiff the toronto international film festival just ended in toronto and normally they have the red carpet or the golden globes or whatever right the grammys and 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 the the fans the, the fans come and they line up along the red carpet in, in their hundreds at times and and they're looking for their <laughs> Uh, their they're, they're hero, they're, they're the one for whom they are a fan, they're enthusiastic about being with this person, seeing this person. They want their picture, they want their autograph. And so it goes. So it's possible to be an admirer of Jesus, what he said, what he did, what he still does. But according to the terms of our study, uh, but to not be a follower of him. The key verse in this series I'm going to read to you is Luke 9, 23, and I'm going to read 23 and 24, but we'll focus on 23 today. It says this, Then he said to them all, Jesus speaking, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Verse 24, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me We'll save it. No, picking up a cross was not something that was spoken lightly in the day of Jesus. He would pick up his cross and he would go to Golgotha and he would die a cruel death. Pick up your cross and follow me, he said to his people. And in this text, he says, Do it daily. What does that mean? You see, this is a pretty different thought, if you would, when we think about our relationship with Jesus. If you want to be my disciple, follow me. Follow me no matter what it requires. Follow me and endure what I endured. Follow me even to the point of death, he's saying. Now those are Jesus' words. That's Jesus' thought. That's Jesus' desire and I want to tell you, this is where a lot of fans opt out. You see, it's easy to stand back and watch. You know? Um, you know, watching what Jesus did. You know? Think of a football game. I guess I'm on the sports analogies today or illustrations, huh? In normal t- times, there are thousands of people in the stands. Um... The team is on the field, and they've got a goal. They want to score a touchdown, field goals, and so forth. They want to put points on the board. They're engaged. It's the players who tackle and get tackled. It's the players who block and run and throw. It's the players who at times get really banged up, even injured, seriously. It's the players who get exhausted from what they do. The fans just sit in the stands, and they cheer. Someone has suggested that it's possible that in most churches in North America today, the churches are nothing more than stadiums filled with fans cheering on those who are in the game. You know, go pastor, make it happen. Yeah! Go elders, do the job. Go worship team, go ministry people. Go, 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 we're with you, we're behind you, we're cheering you on. But we're not on the field taking the blows, (laughs) getting exhausted at times, making the sacrifices that it requires to be a follower. I want to suggest to you that that maybe the point of this is that Jesus doesn't really care about having fans. I want you to know that. It's not his heart. It's It's not what he values. It's not what he desires. It's not what he calls us to. He calls us to following him. Whoever would be my disciple... Pick up the cross daily and follow me. Follow me. And I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't even care about full stadiums. I want to really spend a moment there. He doesn't care whether the stadium is full. I'm going to prove it to you biblically. He cares about whether people are following him. With their whole hearts, their whole lives. John chapter 6, Jesus says, fed the th- 5,000. It's actually probably 10 or 15,000 because they only counted men. Women and children didn't count in the culture. So you get 5,000 men. He miraculously feeds these people. He goes across the sea to, to rest with his close-knit group of disciples. He arrives and the crowds follow after him. And they're basically saying, you know, Jesus, can you, can you do more? Do more. Go to John chapter 6 and uh, verse... 26. You know, they're pursuing him. But the question is why? Jesus answers them when they basically ask, how did you get here? Uh, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, not because of the work of God in and through me, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. (laughs) That was quite a sort of in-your-face comment. You know what he's saying is, it's possible to follow me because of what you can get out of me, what you can get from me, how you, so that you can benefit. You like the idea of you know, having lunch without having to pay for it. <laughs> and the reality is that's still the case. We can follow Jesus because of how we benefit. Well, I can have my sin forgiven. That sounds like a good deal. He died for me. I don't have to pay the penalty. It's been done already. I get into heaven for eternity. When I'm in the family of God, I get God to guide my life and I got God to protect me and to care for me. See, there's lots and lots that can cause us to think, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to follow Jesus so that I can get what I can get from him. Suggestion is that's what fans do, not followers. Um, these folks come along and they talk about how God gave Moses... Manna in the desert. Let's look at verse 35. Jesus' response. We're just going to skip through this chapter. You you probably would benefit by studying it more yourselves. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Quite a statement, huh? (laughs) He comes to these people and he says, let's stop thinking about our bellies and I want you to contemplate who I am. Who am I to you? Who am I? And the reaction isn't necessarily all that positive. Verse 41. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They're not agreeing with this young rabbi. This upstart. Who is he? Who does he think he is saying that he has come from heaven in this fashion? And I want to tell you, Jesus is beginning to annoy them. I want you to understand this. He, he, he is not placating them. He is leading towards something. Well, Jesus goes on and, and um, he says these words, 48 to 52. Or This is the text anyway. Again, I am the bread of life, he says. Next one, please. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? You see where we're going with this? It's the question of who is this Jesus? And Jesus saying, will you accept me as the Son of God? Will you accept me as the one who can satisfy all your deepest desires? Will you accept me as the Savior come into the world? Well, things, if you would, go from bad to worse. And I want you to notice that he goes on and um, he talks about the reality of if you will eat, we're not going to dig into it, but eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he's referencing, of course, the communion, the Lord's Supper. These people balk. <laughs> Note he doesn't he doesn't explain things to them. He doesn't try to help them understand. He's just telling them the truth. In verse 60 to 64. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray him. Is that how you would have handled this crowd? Hey, we've got to fill the stadium. <laughs> Don't say that, Chris. That's not, that's not where we ought to go with this. We're about building the church. We're about filling the church with people. We're about... Filling the stadium with fans, some might think. Jesus didn't fill the stadium with fans. He had no interest in doing so. What he was critically uh, focused upon, what he cared with all of his heart, was that those who actually believed in him in the terms that he defined would become his followers. Verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. (laughs) <laughs> this doesn't seem to make sense in our consumeristic understanding of church. Like, why would he do this? Doesn't he want the following? Doesn't he want to bring the kingdom in power? God's will done among the lives of many people? He does, but he knows it's only going to happen through followers, not through fans. And he doesn't go after them, as I said. He doesn't beg them to return. He doesn't try to, to explain himself. Because he knows they're fans, and that's all. He turns to his disciples and he essentially asks them, the 12 that we'd be more familiar with, maybe others, but he says to them, are you going to leave too? And this was their response, verse 68 and 69. Peter answered him, Peter being the leader, Peter being the spokesperson consistently for this group. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, what Peter's saying is, you know, I might not understand everything you just said, but I know who you are, and I will never abandon you. You will come first. My commitment is to you and to you alone. See, Jesus wants people who believe in him, and listen to me, they're more ready to give to him than they are to get from him. Jesus wants people to follow him who were ready to sacrifice themselves when necessary for his sake. Jesus wants people to put him first in life, not themselves. So that in essence we don't get to pick and choose the areas of our lives where we follow him. No, we are committed. We are 100% in this dynamic that he is the Holy One of God. And we're ready to obey. We're ready to follow. We're ready to say yes what he calls us to. We don't get, if you would, to create our own understanding of faith and what it means to follow after Jesus. You know, you might say, well, you know, I'm your biggest fan, Jesus, but don't ask me to let go of the, my resentment toward this person who wronged me. I'm not going to forgive. That's, that's asking too much. It's too hard. No. Jesus, you might ask me to abstain from sexual desire, in whatever the circumstance, but it's my desire and I am not willing to not be satisfied. No. Sorry. Can't go there. Too much. Jesus, you call me to recognize that all the finances that I have are yours. They are gifts of God. I am a steward of them, and I will use them in the way that you choose to care for the poor, to tithe to my church, to, to build the kingdom, to resource the ministries in this world that are going to build the kingdom of God so that you will be exalted in this world made new, transformed. Jesus, that's too big a sacrifice. I can't do it, and I won't. Jesus, you call me to love and to serve my spouse. But I can't go there. That's too much. Jesus, you call me to be a servant in life. We spent time this past summer on servanthood. To live our lives as servants before God and before one another. Jesus, I'll cheer those servants on, but I'm not stepping into that. i get got my life to live. No. See, we want to customize faith. We want to determine it. We want to create it in the way of our own choosing. And I want to tell you, a fan does that, but a follower never does. Never. A fan says, I will follow you, but only where it's comfortable and where it suits my purposes. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, And follow me. That's a Mark quote of the same verse. Gospel of Mark. And then Jesus says if you don't want that, it's okay. It's okay to walk away. Now, to me, that's remarkable. But that's what he says. See, Jesus never allows for anything other than this. Numerous places. Some of them we might look at in some detail. Maybe some of these quick examples that I'll give you, we will look at again. But the rich young ruler, many of you will be aware of this story, a young man with wealth comes to Jesus and he says, how can I inherit eternal life? There's the question, right? How can I step into this life with God and it will last forever? I don't want hell, I want heaven. Jesus said, well sell everything that you have and give all your money to the poor. A lot of people look at that and go, "Is that what Jesus wants me to do?" No. Like what he wants you to do is what he asked this young man to do, <laughs> to give up the most important, the most valuable thing in his life, to sacrifice it so that Jesus might become first. That's what Jesus is doing here. He wouldn't ask you to give up all your money unless you love your money and you're living for it and it's your god. But he can easily ask you something else in some of the areas that I've just mentioned or others. Only we know what God asks of us. We have to look at Jesus' teaching. We have to look at what he says. We have to look at how he lived. And we have to choose whether we want to follow him. Another text, uh, Mark 8, I believe, uh, Jesus is approached by a man. He said, Jesus, I want to follow you. But first let me go bury my father. Some of you might be aware of the context in the you know, Jewish time. That essentially means, is my dad's not dead yet, but he's, he's going to die, and I'm going to get my inheritance. Then I'll follow you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the dead bury the dead. <laughs> if you want to follow me, you follow me now. Totally committed to me, without reserve. It doesn't matter about that inheritance. I become God in your life. I become your priority and I expect of a follower full commitment of their lives to me. Now, here, let's go. You see the difference between a fan and a follower? I want to tell you, a follower is someone who's come to believe in Jesus as the Son of God and who live in full abandonment of their lives before Him. So, let me ask you a question. Is that you? Nah, that's, that's big stuff. That's, that's, a, that's a mouthful. But I am honestly seeking to communicate simply what Jesus speaks of when he says what he wants from our relationship. And it's not just what he wants, it's what he requires. So we have six weeks to contemplate our relationship with Jesus. And I hope it will be a good thing and a meaningful thing. For many of us, I imagine it will be a struggle. Coming to that point of full commitment of abandonment of our lives to Jesus is rarely an easy thing and it's rarely a kind of snap decision. Don't make a snap decision. Process it. Think it through. Come to a conclusion in utmost seriousness if you're not there yet. But are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you in the stands cheering on the team, or are you on the field, um, engaged, but taking the blows regardless what is required? Are you a committed follower of Jesus, or do you do you, man, do you demand the comfort in your life as well? Are you willing to sacrifice significantly for Christ? even to the point of giving up the most important things in your life? And according to this text, as Jesus would pick up his cross and go to Golgotha and die, quite literally, he was saying to his disciples, are you willing to give up even your life for me? My friends, really simply, take time to process it. Six weeks. Are you a fan are you a follower? Who are you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as you dealt with those people um, by the Sea of Galilee in John 6, you revealed something remarkable about what you require of those who follow after you. As you spoke in Luke chapter 9 and you asked disciples in the day when crucifixions were common to pick up their cross and follow you, um, you were serious about something. And God, I pray for these people gathered, whether they be at home listening online or whether they be here in this building, that by your Holy Spirit you would speak into their lives profoundly. And that you would lead all of us forward, myself included, Lord. Help us to grapple again with what it means to be in relationship with you. Identify to us, Lord, as you identify to the rich young ruler what's required of us now. Whether it be forgiving, whether it be abstinence, whether it be tithing, whether it be servanthood. Lord, whatever. Speak to each of us in our own way that we might know what it means in this moment of time to say yes to you and help us to move into that relationship lord where it's not about us getting for you but about us giving to you where we are willing to sacrifice significantly for you where we are ultimately willing to recognize you lord as the holy one come to earth and as a a result live our lives in full and complete commitment and abandonment to you Or the amazing thing that Jesus speaks is that when we come to that point, defined in Luke 9 as death, losing our lives, it is there and it is only there that we find life. Life abundant, life eternal. Lord, open our eyes to see you. To see you for who you truly are. And then enable us to yield ourselves completely to the One who is holy. The One who is the Son of God. The One who longs for relationship with us. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.